Psalms, Psalm 96 and 98. I had uh, planned on, this being, being the beginning of a new year, I was going to start a new book of the Bible for us to spend the next five years on. Uh, and, and the book of the Bible I wanted to choose was 1 Corinthians. I think it's got a lot to say to us. Um, one of my New Year's resolutions is this. I, I have noticed that I don't listen to God quite as intently as I used to uh, in terms of obeying Him when He moves like in a spontaneous way, uh, listening to the impulses that are in, 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 in my inner spirit. Um, I, I haven't been attuned to that, and so I made a New Year's resolution. One of mine is that I'm going to listen to God more, and I'm going uh, to act on those promptings. Well, Thursday... Uh, I felt like the Lord was sort of testing me in that and wanted me to go in a different direction. So I had planned on doing this First Corinthians deal. Uh, that will be postponed. I, I have a message that the Lord gave to me that I'm supposed to share with you um, that I think is really important to start off the year with. Psalm 96. Now that you're all there, wait while I turn there. Verse 1, oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless His name, tell of His salvation from day to day. Day after day, talk about His salvation. And then the author goes on to kind of extol and magnify the wonders and the glory and the greatness of God. 98, verse 1 says, Let's sing to the Lord a new song. For He has done marvelous things. His right hand and His holy arm have gotten Him victory. The Lord has made known His victory. He has revealed His vindication in the sight of the nations. On and on and on. The author goes on to extol the marvelous, wonderful, glorious deeds of God. Day after day, we're to talk about His salvation. Now here's the question. If day after day you're supposed to rehearse uh, God's salvation, you're supposed to talk about the marvelous things that God has done, supposed to review how, how good God is and how great God is, how is that new? How is that a new song? I've heard that before. Haven't you heard that before? What's new about that? Now, I'm not trying to say, like, you know, this is the same old boring stuff. No, this is the same old great stuff, but it's not new, it doesn't seem to me. How do you sing to the Lord a new song uh, when what you're singing about is the same old stuff? What I'm really asking here is, is this question. How do we believers, here we are at the beginning of a new year, beginning of the new decade, beginning of the new century, beginning of a new millennium, how do we consecrate ourselves to keep our walk with God new? To keep our walk with God fresh? To keep from getting stagnant, uh, repetitious, repetitious, and even more repetitious? How do we avoid that? Uh, redundancy. Um, life is a, a lot about routine, isn't it? It's the same old. Uh, you know, you go to church one week, you go to church the next week, you go to the church the next week, then you go to your small group, then you go to it again, and then you say your prayers, and then you say them again. And a lot of it is routine. Uh, how do you stay fresh? How do you, you, know, you, you, you keep the, the, the vigor and the passion involved in your walk? How do you make these songs new songs when you're singing about the same old stuff? The thing is this. New songs get old after a while. That's kind of human nature, isn't it? Uh, haven't you ever found this, that a song will come on the radio and you really like that song? It's a great song. Uh, it's a kicking song. It's a cool song. Um, but then pop stations being what they are... Um, you hear that song about every 19 minutes for the next two weeks, and by the end of the two weeks, you're so sick of it, you want to kick the radio when that song comes on. Isn't that true? New songs get old really fast. I used to like that. Elanis um, uh, Marset, is that her name? Elanis uh, Marset. Uh, when, when I first heard her, I thought she had the coolest voice. You know, she had kind of that angry, that angry uh, vengeance sort of sound. Um, I had a thing for you, but you didn't want me to. 
Thank you for getting about me, Mr. Do, Mr. D. I'm here to remind you of the message. Never mind, let's go quick. You know, that, that was cool. That was cool the first 27 times I heard it, but after a while, I was like, yeah, come on. She starts to sound like a wounded mosquito. It's like, oh, yeah, you know. Well, isn't it ironic, don't you think? I mean, it's too ironic. It's like rain on your wedding day. What's ironic about that? I don't know, but it's... Uh, you know, that was a cool song when it first came out, but it gets old. Uh, and, and no matter how good it is at the beginning, it gets, it gets routine, and you get starting to get sick of it, and you, you know, it's like, come on, let's, let's move on to something else. Uh, if I never hear uh, sync again, I'll die a happy man. I, I, uh, <laughs> no, no, with all due respect, I'm, I'm so glad they take the teenagers out, otherwise they'd be being booed right now. My daughters love NSYNC, uh, and the first three times I heard them, I did too. But after a while, this, I'm tearing up my heart, and I, I'm with you. And all oh, the pain, oh, you know, all the little instincts. They have these motions. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You see them. Uh, after a while, let's get out the gun. I mean, put them out of misery. Um, new songs get old fast. And, and the thing is, is that that's not just a phenomenal pop radio. That's life. That's life. It applies to our marriages and applies to everything we, we, we get involved in. And it really applies to our, our walk with God. How do you keep from getting it stagnant? Like, let me change the metaphor a little bit. Uh, in this fallen world, it's not just a matter of how to keep from going stagnant, but how to keep from losing it all together. Do you know that they say in physics, this is the weird world of physics of the 21st century that we live in, but uh, there are no real straight lines. Uh, uh, gravity warps space. You know that? That you can think you're going on a straight line. See, it looks like I'm walking on a flat surface right now, but in, in fact, I'm not. I'm curving around. You know that? I'm curving around. And if I was in a rocket ship flying out into space, I could set a course that, said, that, that says, just keep on, going what keep on going the way you're going. Keep on in a directly straight path. But gravity warps space, so straight lines actually curve. You know that? In fact, if, if you could have a, a, a supersonic, incredible, super-duper, hyped-up uh, telescope that could see to the edge of space... And you can look at the exact straight line. You know what you'd, you'd uh, see? The back of your head. It's true. If you could see to the edge of space, you'd see... The, uh, Einstein proved it. I don't know how, but he's the man of the century. <laughs> you see the back of your head because space curves around. You know, and so it goes like this. And there you'd be. You'd be looking at the back of your head. If you could take a rocket ship and go out and just keep on going as far as you could go, you'd ultimately end up in the same place you started. You see, but you think you're going in a straight line. In the same way, you're saying, okay, that's interesting, but what's your point? <laughs> I don't know, but it's just coming to me. Hang on a second, okay? I just heard it, and I thought I had to repeat it just to make myself look smart. But in the same way that gravity warps space, sin warps living. It does. Sin warps living. And if you are in a maintenance mode, you're just trying to hang on and go in a straight line. What I want you to know is this. In the fallen world, you won't notice it, but as a matter of fact, you're not going in a straight line at all. You're curving downward. There's a downward pull of sin. There's a downward pull of Satan in this fallen world. Where if, 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 if what your goal is is to just walk a straight line to kind of maintain, to keep the status quo, to keep middle of the road, sort of day after day living boring Christianity, if that's your goal, you're not going to get your goal. You're going to be curving downward. In fact, you're going to be losing your passion. You're going to be losing your life. There's only one way to do Christianity, and that's to be growing upward. Amen? To be growing upward, to be getting more passionate, to be more hungry for God than you were uh, a, a year before. If you're not going upward, I can assure you that you're going downward. 
And so the question I want to ask today, with all due delicacy, is how's your curvature? Um, I, 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 how are you dealing with the, 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 the sin-warped nature of reality that we're in? How's your Christian walk? Step back a little bit here, because you don't, it feels like you're in a straight line from one day to the other. But you've got to step back and ask yourself, where are you uh, in terms of uh, where you were a year ago, or five years ago, or ten years ago, or for some of you, twenty years ago? Do you have the passion? Do you have the passion? Is the, is the hunger still there? Is the zeal still there? Is the relationship still there? Not just still there, but is it going in the right direction? Are you doing relationship, which means that you're growing, or are you doing religion, which means that you're stagnant? This is a good time at the beginning of this new year, beginning of this new century, beginning of this new millennium to ask the question, are we going in the right direction? Really now, be honest with yourself. And this isn't an indictment thing, this is just a reality check thing. How's your Christian walk? How's your Christian walk? The truth is, is that it takes a lot of intensity and a lot of passion to keep on growing in the Christian walk. It can get old if you're not doing something to check it. In fact, life is kind of discouraging. Sometimes you pray for healing, and you don't see a healing. And you pray for healing again, and you don't see a healing. And you pray for healing again, and you don't see a healing. And the flesh wants to say, why don't you just quit praying for healings? What good is it doing? You pray for revival and you stay the same. You pray for revival again and you stay the same. And you pray for revival and you stay the same. And after a while, you want to stop praying for revival. You try out a small group. You want to get involved in the community and it didn't really work out. It was kind of weird and painful. And you try it again and it was kind of weird and painful. And t- the flesh wants to say, why don't you just give up trying out getting involved in the community? You, want to, you try to change, you make a commitment that you're going to change, you're going to get rid of the sin in your life, you're going to change, you can become more loving or whatever, maybe it's a New Year's resolution, and maybe it works for a couple of weeks, but then, bam, you're back to the same old person. And then the next year you make the same resolution, and in three weeks you're back to the same old person. And the next year you make a resolution, and the next year you're back to, after three weeks, and you're the same old person. And in time you want to say, I'm going to stop trying. We're going to stop trying. You settle. You settle, you relax, you give up. You go into a coast mode. But the coast mode in this world is the downward mode. So what can we do to begin to prevent this curvature issue? To, to stay uh, growing in the Christian walk. And I want to just share briefly three things from the Word of God. And next week I may pick this up. But since we're following the spontaneity of the Spirit, I'm not sure just yet. But, uh, uh, and fill out a few more details. But let me say a couple of things. Number one. The Bible assumes that continuing on in the Christian walk is going to be primarily a matter of persistence. Uh, If you feel that it's harder to stay passionate in the Christian walk 20 years into it than it was two days into it, you're normal. That's not weird. It's not that you're an exceptionally odd, uh, jaded sinner. Uh, that's, uh, that's, an un- that's normal. The Bible anticipates that. That's why you have such a stress on, on persistence in the Christian walk in Scripture. A big stress on persistence. Chronicles chapter 16, verse 11 says this, Continually seek the Lord at all times. Seek the Lord continually at all times. What he's saying there is this. This matter of growing and being related to the Lord isn't like you, 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 uh, you arrive at it and then you just hang on to it. Rather, it's a matter of continually seeking the Lord. Um, uh, tomorrow, you're going to have to seek the Lord. And in 25 days, you're going to have to seek the Lord. And in 25 years, you're going to have to seek the Lord. And if the Lord tarries on the day that you die, you're going to have to be seeking the Lord. It's a continual process. It's not like finding your keys. That once you find it, you have it until you decide to lose it again. Um, it's a relationship. This is true of all relationships. If you're not pursuing your wife, you're losing your life. Uh, your, your wife. <laughs> and, and your life, maybe. Yeah. <clears throat> 
Love is about pursuing. It's not a one-stop station kind of a deal. It's a matter of ongoing pursuing and longing and hunger. So the Bible says do it continually. This is the one constant in your life. That you'll be needing to seek the Lord and questing after Him and pursuing Him. Because there's always more of God to find out than any of us have yet found. Seek the Lord continually. James 15 says that if you abide in me and I in you, then you will bear much fruit. The key there is abide. Abide is a living, permanent kind of a thing. In other words, don't just make Jesus an occasional sort of thing that you get around to seeking him once in a while. This is, this is where we're supposed to live. This is supposed to be our residency. Um, it's a continually ongoing, persistent thing, but it doesn't come on automatic pilot. There is no automatic pilot in the Christian life. There is no coasting in the Christian life. It's a continual seeking sort of a thing. Paul says this in Romans chapter 2, uh, verses 6 and 7, that God, he, this is the encouragement, God will reward those who with patient endurance continue in well-doing. Who with patient endurance continue in well-doing. The assumption here is this. Making it in the Christian life requires patience. Making it in the Christian life requires endurance. Uh, making it in the Christian life requires continuity. Continually doing something. It's an ongoing thing. It's an ongoing thing. Luke 18, Jesus says this. It says, pray like the, the woman who wants to get her case heard by an unjust judge. Keep on knocking at the door, knocking at the door, knocking at the door, knocking at the door. And, and what's interesting is Jesus says this, so also ought people to pray and not lose faith. Jesus is assuming that what faith, part of the definition of faith is persistence. It's continuity. It's, it's staying at it. It's staying at it. It's not a one-time deal. That's why Paul says, at one point he says this, run the race. That's set before you with endurance. Run the race with endurance. What Paul is saying here is this, that the race is not a sprint, it's a marathon. A sprint doesn't require endurance, it just requires speed. Sprints are for hot shots. These people have just got fast twitch muscles and they can go real fast. And, and marathons, they take endurance. They take training. Uh, it, it, takes, it takes concentration to run a marathon. The Christian walk isn't a sprint, it's a marathon. The thing is this, a lot more people like sprints better than marathons. This is why whenever you have a new ministry, you'll have about nine times as many people show up and stick around for the first one or two or three times, but then a year later, you're down to a trickle. Uh, life is like that. A- anything. When you start it, boom, there's, there's all sorts of people sprinting out of the gate. But the question is, is how many are hanging around for the long haul? Jesus had that same issue in John chapter 6. You know, there was a plenty, plenty, plenty of people sprinting for the kingdom of God when he was doing all sorts of tricks and miracles and he was saying stuff that they wanted to hear. But when it came down to him talking about discipleship and him talking, him talking about carrying your cross and the need for, for discipline and, and for suffering or whatever, the crowds began to trickle away. You see, marathons uh, take endurance, patient endurance, and a lot of people who are really good sprinters run out of steam halfway through it. I, I used to do a lot of marathons. And you always have this. You have these young whippersnappers who, you know, want a, uh, a, a moment in the sun, a moment in the highlight, you know. And so the, the, it's a 26-mile race. Some of the things I do are like 50 miles or 100 miles or whatever. But boom, these people are out, out of the gate and they're up there up front and they're just they're like, man, I'm cool. I, you know, they, got the, they always have the nice shorts and the nice shirts and, and they're out there and they're you know, just kind of running away. You know, and us veterans are, ba- are back there kind of snickering because we know. And then another 5 or 10 or 15 or 20 miles, these people are going to be dying uh, if they're even in the race at all. And sure enough, you pass them later on as they're kind of like, you know, wobbling along. Because it doesn't go to the swift. It goes, the Bible says that he who endures to the end shall be saved. It's a marathon that we're talking about. Now here's what we've got to know is this. It takes more, not less, 
passion and concentration to keep going forward at mile 20 than it does at mile number one. Think about it. Mile number one comes easy. The race is still young. You're still fresh. That's why you got these sprinters showing off. Mile 20 and mile 25, now when you want to start picking up speed, you want to start going forward because you've got to have a kick, now it's going to require a lot of concentration. It's going to require all that you have. Now, why do I say that? I say it for this reason. And here I'm speaking mainly to the veteran Christians. Okay, if you've been a Christian for less than a year, then this may not apply to you. But for you veteran Christians, and most of us here probably are in this category, there's a myth out there that I really want to blow apart. This whole message is, is, is intended to blow this myth apart, and it's this. That there's a point where you can just sort of arrive. There's a point where, you know, you, you can, you've maybe overcome the real kind of basic sins of life and the basic struggles that were there. You know, the kind of stuff that maybe new Christians still, still go through. You're really not tempted to snort cocaine anymore. You're really not tempted maybe to, to cheat on your wife anymore. Maybe you're not tempted to become a Buddhist anymore. You know, you, you've kind of got beyond that. Good for you, wonderful, hallelujah, yippee. But... Here's what you got to know. There's no point to coast. Uh, the, 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 the assumption could be that you know, you've sort of arrived. Now you are Mr. Sanctified. Now you are Mr. Bible Knowledge. You know? Now you are Mr. Church Going. And what you've got to know is that in a fallen world, you can think you can, be, you can even feel like you're on a straight line, but as a matter of fact, you're going to be curving downward. It takes more, not less, concentration, more, not less passion, 20 years into your Christian walk to keep on growing than it did when you were in there for one year. It should be the case that the longer you are with the Lord, the more you seek after Him, as though, because you have the maturity to understand that there's more of God than you've ever discovered. There's more love than you've ever enjoyed. There's more power than you've ever experienced. And so the hunger should keep growing. It shouldn't be that you're kind of like now it's coasting more and more because you've, you've matured. That's a sign of immaturity. Press on. It's about persistence. It's about persistence. It's about being in there for the long haul. This is about discipleship. This is about growing. Praise God. So the first principle of Scripture to, to solve the problem of curvature is just the knowledge of persistence, understanding. The nature of the Christian walk is it requires persistence. More, the longer you go in it, the more it requires, not the less. Secondly, don't be ruled by results. Don't be ruled by results. This is an important one. Here's what I'm getting at. We live in a... I found, this, I found this all back, so I want to use it as an illustration. <clears throat> we live in a technological society. Did you notice? Uh, that's why we were freaking out so much a couple days ago. We didn't know what this technological society was going to do. But part of this technological society, part of our, our mindset, part of our culture, part of our society, is that we like push-button things. Look at these. Uh, push-button, uh, you know, phone. You don't have to even go through the trouble of dialing it. You know, do you ever, like, some of you maybe have old phones? It's so much work. Like, you got to wait. And it feels like it takes so long. It feels like it takes so long. It's like so much work. We like it this one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Boom, the call is there. And we like it instant. We just got a new computer this year. Uh, our old computer had eight RAM. You know what eight RAMs are? Yeah, see, so you're laughing. We thought this was like, six years ago, this was state-of-the-art. This was so, it was so fast. It was incredible. Here we are, six years later, and it's like th- th- that thing was such a dinosaur. It was so slow. You had to wait seconds to download something. It was just uh, it was excruciating. You know, this is the problem of evil. How can we suffer with this old computer? So we had to get one that has now got like 128 RAM or something like this, you know. And this baby's fast. But I can guarantee you that in five years, we're going to be whining and crying because it's so slow. 
You see, this is, we're in a, we, we're in a fast push button, I want it right now kind of society. That's our mindset. We're in a remote control kind of society, you know? We like to, I like to point that thing at the TV and push a button and bam, it's there. And then if I'm not quite pleased with that station, I push the next button. Please me. Entertain me, TV. Now! And we're so spoiled! I know I'm not alone here. You can, you, you can act like, you can be a hypocrite and act like you don't want to have this problem. But I, I am so bad. I won't watch TV if I can't find that remote control. I mean, it's like... That's, that's Shelly. I mean, it's, I, I, I'm terrible. I will boycott the TV because it's so much work to have to get up, off, walk all the way over there and press the button, walk all the way back, and if it's not the right station, you got to get up and do the whole thing again. Oh, the problem of evil, such suffering, such woe. We like it like this. It was really irritating is we've got a law in our house. It's, it's, it's a law of the cosmos. Uh, it's just an inviolable rule of the universe that when my children are home, when my daughters are home, the remote control disappears. Now, why is that? They don't take it. I, you know, it, it just disappears. It evaporates. Do you know how irritating that is? What's even more irritating is you can find a couple remote controls. I, 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 do you have one of these houses where you have like, you know, 19 remote controls? You know, so you got to try to find which one works, you know, and this one's missing the battery, this one's to the video, this one's the last year's TV, this one's... It's like, oh, you know. One of these got to work, you know, you train them all out. It's very frustrating, and, and, and you get to the point where it's like, I, I will not watch TV if I can't get the remote control. It's just not worth it. The pain and suffering is too much. Well, that says a lot about the kind of culture we live in. We're, we're a remote control society. Now, here's the problem. We try to apply that to our spiritual walk. Here's the button for sanctification. And we, you know, we like the formulas. This is why formula books work so well. You know, three, three easy buttons to push, and you can be, you know, a more loving person. Three easy buttons, and now you're going to have a great marriage. Three easy buttons, and your kids are guaranteed to grow up to be Mother Teresa. Uh, you know, three, three buttons, and, and you'll have you know, great finances. Three buttons, and you'll have healing. Three buttons, and you'll have revival. Three bu- There's three buttons for everything. We like the remote control kind of Christianity. We're just pressing on ourselves in one instant transformation. What we got to know, what we got to really see really clearly is that the Christian walk, the, the spiritual walk, spiritual growth is the antithesis, antithesis, the opposite of that. It's the exact opposite of that. Growth comes through, as Paul says, patient endurance. It's the opposite of this remote control kind of a, a, a deal that we are used to. If we're going to grow, believers, here's what we got to see. If we're going to grow, we've got to get rid, rid of the remote control. Um, we've got to get rid of that whole kind of a thinking. The idea that there's four buttons you can push. In fact, if we're going to grow, we have to come to this point. where we understand that what we do, what we do, the, 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 the discipleship that we get involved in, the persistence that we engage in, we do because it's the right thing to do, whether there are any results or not. Christian maturity is a matter of doing things because God commands them as an end in and of itself and letting the results take care of themselves. Are you following me here this morning? It's a matter of, 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 of understanding that prayer is the right thing to do. And if you see the results of prayer, praise God for that. But if you don't see the results of that, don't stop praying. You pray because God commands it, praise God. You will see results, but don't pray to get the results. You pray because God commands it. And if you see the results, praise God. And if you don't see the results, you keep on doing it. You pray for this person to be healed, and if that doesn't work, you pray for the next person to be healed, and if that doesn't work, you pray for the next one to be healed. But don't stop praying because you don't see the healing. Trust that God, the Bible promises that the fervent prayer of the righteous person avails much. It accomplishes much. James chapter 5. Believe God that it accomplishes much whether or not you see it or not. You may in fact not see the remote control result of the thing. It doesn't work like that. 
But you keep on pressing on, whether you see the results or not. Praise God. You pray for revival because revival is good. But don't stop because you don't see it. We're not to go by sight. We're to go by faith. Praise God. And so it is with every area of our life. You know, you, we're to strive to become more like Christ. And if we don't succeed today, then we do it tomorrow. If we don't do it t- succeed tomorrow, we do it the next day. You keep on pressing on because it's the right thing to do. But it means getting out, out of this cause and effect sort of remote control mentality that we, we so often like to live in. You know, when I was preparing for the sermon that I'm not preaching today, um, I, I, this so impressed me. Uh, I was, uh, Paul, I, I noticed this about Paul. Before he went to Corinth and, and did his missionary work at Corinth, he was kicked out of three cities. His last three attempts at church planning were utter failures. They kicked him out, didn't have any converts, it was no success at all. But he didn't, I mean, this could be potentially discouraging, don't you think? You know, I mean, he's not really on a roll here. I wonder what would happen if he would have went to the head of the BGC Church Planning Commission and said, hey, I'd like to plant a church in Corinth. You know, I've had three bombs in the last couple of years, but you know, I've, I've, this next one I think is going to go. Uh, they, I bet, would have a little bit of suspicion here. But see, Paul didn't define success by the results that he got. God told him to preach, and so he preaches. And if some people believe in hallelujah, if some people don't want to praise God, he's still obeying God. That's what discipleship is all about. And if it doesn't work in this city, you go to that city. If that city doesn't believe it, then you go to the next city. That one doesn't, you're going to keep on going sooner or later, someone's going to believe, but you do it not to get the result, you do it because God commanded you to do it. That's how all growth in the Christian life is like. Amen. It's a matter of doing things because they're the right things to do. Praise God. And, 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 and being persistent with it, continuing on. Not being discouraged, praise God. One of the things the Lord did for me that just freed me when we started Willow Hills Church. Uh, you know, new churches, and we're still a new church, are, they're kind of up and down. And if you're looking for results, you will get discouraged. I, whenever I speak to church planners, I, I talk about this. Uh, success is a matter of finding out what God wants you to be and being that and letting God take care of the results. Because uh, some days they're good and some days they ain't so good. And if you're, if you're doing one of these kind of opinion polls sorts of things as you're planning a church, man, you are in for serious trouble. If Paul did that, we, we never would have got, he never would have got to Corinth. Uh, he would have given up. But it's a matter of just saying, okay, Lord, here's what your will is for my life. I'm going to do it. I'm going to keep on pressing on and I'm going to let you uh, take care of the results. Praise God. So, be persistent. Don't be ruled by results. And number three, and I close with this, is, is this. Always set your scope higher. Always be uh, striving for a higher goal. Um, never settle for maintaining because, as I was saying earlier, if you're trying to maintain, you're losing. The, the Christian, there's only two modes here. You're either going on fast forward or you're going backwards. Uh, this is about setting, setting your, your, your walk on fast forward. Always searching for more. Paul says this in, in Philippians 3. He says, I strive for the prize, for first place. He says, I'm running this race to win the race. Now, he's not saying, I want to win so you don't win. This isn't like, we're not competing with one another. What we're doing is, what he's saying there is, is the prize is being all you can be for God. Getting as close to God as you can possibly get. Learning as much of God as you can possibly learn. Experiencing as much of God as you can possibly experience. Being used of God in as much, in, in many ways as you can be used of God. That's the prize. And what Paul is saying is this. I will not strive, stop striving for that first place. That prize until the day that I die. There's always, until we finish this race, and that is when, when our trek on this earthly plot ends, but until that point, there's always more to run towards. 
There's always more of God than any of us. I don't care how mature you are, how deep you are, how, uh, how spiritually enlightened you are. There's an infinite more about God that you don't know than you do know. Keep on being hungry for the part you don't know. There's, knowing God, because He's infinite, can be an adventure all the time. If our heart... See, God doesn't get old. We do. Uh, God doesn't get tiring. We do. It's not that, that there isn't more for, for God. It can be just as exciting 25 years into it as it was 25 minutes into it if you stay hungry. It's when we lose our hunger, we lose our passion, we start to settle. Now your Christian walk is boring and God gets boring and Jesus gets boring. But in fact, they're not boring at all. Throughout eternity, we'll be enjoying their splendor more the next day than we did the day before because there's always more to enjoy than we've possibly enjoyed so far. Stay hungry for God. The goal of each day, this is, whatever other resolutions you have, this should be a resolution. The goal of each day should be to know God a little more today than you did yesterday. To love God a little more profoundly. To be a little bit more conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Maybe to get, get rid of a couple of those small stupid things in your life that seem small but they get in the way of your relationship with God. And now you're at the point where the Lord's saying, you know what, time to get rid of those. You know, as we grow, some things are okay earlier on, but then there's a point where the Lord says, okay, now you're growing to the point where I want, I, I want you to, to give that up. Uh, be listening to God on that. Be growing in the Lord on that. I called Norm up a couple, a couple weeks ago before one of the church services, and the Lord just put this on my heart to me, and then I, I was supposed to share it with him. I was in my car, I just called him up on Thursday night, and said, Norm, I'm just supposed to remind us that this Sunday, our goal is to bring the people into a deeper level of uh, passion and worship and sold out, abandoned praise and celebration than they have ever had before. That our goal is to worship God more passionately than we ever have before. And my goal is to preach the Word of God more passionately than I've ever preached it before. And next week, we're going to have the same goal. And the week after that, we're going to have the same goal. And the week after that, we're going to have the same goal. Because anything less is not glorifying to God. He's worthy of our all. So every day, every time we're together, and every time we pray, it always should be about saying, God, how can we get closer to you than we ever have been before? How can we invest more of ourselves into worshiping you and proclaiming your word and living the Christian life than we ever have before? Whatever other resolutions you may have this year, make this one of them. That you want to, each day, you want to go beyond where you were the day before. Uh, that's how, you know what, His Spirit does stay new. His, his song, the song is always new. On one level, it's the same old Bible, it's the same old doctrine, it's the same old Jesus, it's the same old Father and Son, it's the same old everything. But there's new life, there's new wine that's always poured into it, if you're open to it and if you're hungry for it. It's only when you stop being hungry and you stop seeking, you stop panting after God, that now you have the same old stuff and it starts to get stagnant. Never lose your hunger. Never lose your passion. Never settle for mediocrity. Never grow weary in well-doing. Never lose your persistence. Keep on knocking. Keep on striving. Keep on growing. And never settle. Never coast. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. God is good. Keep on growing. Okay, stand up. <laughs> no. right. Let's close in prayer. Um, I, I want to do this. I, 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 before we even pray, I want to tell you that the front of this auditorium is open. And um, uh, if, if maybe that you are stagnant, you're, you're kind of stale in the Christian walk right now and you need a jolt, um, could I ask the prayer team to come forward here and, and come up front and even before we, 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 we pray? Uh, and I want to extend this invitation for after the service if you want to sit and pray for a little bit or if you want to come forward and pray with them I encourage you to do that 
uh, pray through. Uh, let this be a time of new beginnings. Here we are, beginning of a new century, beginning of a new millennium. Uh, make it a new beginning for you, praise God. Let's join our hands together. Now I want us to pray for one another. I, there's, in one sense, more power in praying for one another than there is in praying for us individually. And I just want to close with a quick prayer for the person on your right and a quick prayer for the person on your left. And we're going to do it Argentinian style, so repeat after me. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for this person on my right. I pray that you'd bless them, Lord. Restore them, Lord. Fan the flame. The fire of the Holy Spirit in their life. Restore their passion. Restore their zeal. Make them hungry for you, O Lord. We pray for their family. We pray for their relationships. We pray for their health. Bless them, Heavenly Father, in every way. And now, Lord, we pray for this person on our left. Send the fire of your Holy Spirit into their life. Baptize them, Lord, with your fire, with your power, with your joy, with your passion. Anoint them, Lord God. Draw them closer to you. Envelop them in your love. Heavenly Father, we pray for Woodland Hills Church. We pray, Lord God, that you'd send out your fire and your power and your passion on us as a congregation. Never let us get stagnant. Never let us get mediocre. But stir up the fire inside of us. We want to know you and love you more profoundly this year than ever before. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Hallelujah. Welcome to the new year. Hallelujah. Let's go out and let's change the world. The front of the auditorium is open if you want to come forward for prayer. God bless you.